How you doing today? Everybody good? All right. Got three or four people really happy to be here. Uh, everybody's good this morning, huh? Turn to somebody and say, you look. Well, I see you. Just, just turn and, and. Okay, I guess I'm the only one wanting to laugh today. All right. Hey, I'm glad you're here today. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's just my weird personality, so just hang out tight. If you're new to the Bridge Church, really glad you're here today. Uh, um, there are a lot of great churches in this valley, and we're honored you come worship with us today. If you've joined us online, thanks for joining us. We really do appreciate it. But if you have any questions today, out that first set of doors to your right, there's an info center. They can answer any question you might have. There are good people right there who could point you in the right direction. We also have a website, thebridgechurch.tv, and an app, as you saw in our church news. Check those out. We want to get connected with you. We really are glad you joined us today. Can we just put our hands together and welcome first-time guests? Thank you for joining us. Glad you're here. In a few minutes, I'm going to read from Luke chapter 8. So if you've got a Bible with you or on your electronic device, if you want to follow along, Luke chapter 8, we're going to read about five verses there. But before I begin this morning, I want to take just a minute and I I just want to pray before we begin. Uh, Some weeks I pray before, some weeks I only pray after. It just depends on what I'm sensing. I want to pray today and here's why. One of the things that all of us need in life is moments with God. Moments with God where God kind of shows up and we just kind of stop and get quiet and say, God, I need you. Everybody needs those moments. I need them regularly. I I try to create room in my life every day for moments with God. But I want to pray this morning because I really just sense God wants to just have our attention today. So I'm going to ask you just kind of quiet your heart and just lay aside everything going on in your world Let's just open our hearts to God. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray this morning that my prayer would be the prayer of every person in this room. We would stop right now and just lay down all the cares of life, all the stuff that's going on, all the distractions. And for a few moments, we could just open our hearts to hear your word and let your word settle into our hearts. God, I pray today that you would use your word not just to speak to us generally as a church, but to speak to us specifically and individually, that you would speak to us what we need to hear in this message today to grow us, to strengthen us, to make life better. We ask you for this in Jesus' name, amen. We're in the middle of a series. This is week three. We're talking about the power of a seed. And the illustration I've used every week, very simple, One of the things I love about this area is if you drive up into the hills just west of here, you see these amazing California oak trees, huge oak trees. They've been there 100, 200 years. They're amazing. They're all shaped differently. But the amazing thing is those great big California oak trees came from a seed, from an acorn. And within the seed, within that acorn, everything is there needed to produce that tree it just needs soil to receive it it needs to be nurtured and cared for and watered and the seed will grow jesus said the kingdom of god is like a mustard seed it starts out in a tiny way but it grows and grows and grows and grows until it fills our life and it helps us to affect the lives of other people 
Now, in this series, in the first week, we talked about what is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is important in this series because the kingdom of God is the rule of Christ in our lives. What is the kingdom of God? Second of all, we talked about why do I need to seek the kingdom of God? Jesus said, seek it. Seek the kingdom of God. Why do I need to do that? And then the third thing we talked about that day was how do I go about seeking the kingdom of God? And then last week in my message, I talked about the law of the seed. Some would call it the law of sowing and reaping. There's a natural sowing and reaping. Jesus said there's a spiritual sowing and reaping. We looked at Isaiah 55 in the Old Testament, Galatians 6 in the New Testament. We looked at the natural and the spiritual law of the seed. And also in that message, we talked about the fact that God's word is seed. God's word is seed. And I concluded last week's message really asking a question. And I ask you to ask yourself, what am I doing with God's seed? What am I doing with the seed that God is putting in my heart and in my life? Because what happens with God's seed is really up to me. So this morning, I want to begin, and I'm going to read a verse from Matthew 4. You don't need to turn there. Just one verse. I'm going to have it on the screen. Now, I want to give you something to think about as we launch into this message today, talking about the power of the seed. Matthew 4, verse 23 says this, And Jesus went about all Galilee. Pause there a moment. All Galilee. Galilee was an area on one side of the Sea of Galilee that wrapped around the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus is going through this area around the Sea of Galilee. Jesus went about all Galilee. Now notice what it says next. Teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Now, this morning in starting this message, I want you to, to start here with me. Jesus' ministry on the earth lasted for about three years. We know he was about 33 years old when he died upon the cross and then he ascended back to the Father. He was here about 33 years. The last three years of his life was his ministry life from 30 to 33. So when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, and you read the ministry and the life of Jesus, really that ministry is talking about three years of ministry time. And so there are two questions that come out of this. Number one, what did Jesus do in those three years of ministry? What was he all about? What was he up to? What was he doing? And if you read the verses in, in the New Testament, here's what you find. Basically two things. Number one, Jesus taught. He taught. Number two, he healed. Everywhere he went, he taught and he healed. He taught and he healed. That was the method and the ministry of Jesus. Now, let's go to a second question here because I think it's really important for us as believers to grasp and get into our hearts. The question is, what did Jesus teach? What did he teach? If he taught and he healed, we know what healing is. He's putting people's lives back together, physically, spiritually, in a lot of different ways. He's healing people and making their life whole and complete. But in his teaching, what was Jesus teaching? And what you find is Jesus was teaching good news. Everybody say good news. 
good news about the kingdom of God or good news that comes out of the kingdom of God. Now, how many this morning are ready for a little bit of good news? Boy, in our world today, there is so much negativity. And I, I just can't wait for Sunday mornings to get around where we can get together and talk about good news. Jesus went about proclaiming good news that comes from kingdom life. Good news that flows out of the kingdom of God. And, and I want to show you something. In Mark chapter 6, there's a story where Jesus had finished ministering in an area. He got into a boat, crossed the Sea of Galilee. When he got off the boat, many people followed him around the lake and met him on the other side. And he comes off this boat. He's wanting to get away for a while to rest with his disciples. And there's this crowd of people, great mass of people there waiting on Jesus. And it says, Jesus got off the boat and he saw the multitude. And here's what it says. He was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion because they were like sheep who didn't have a shepherd. Now, what does a shepherd do? Well, there's three or four things involved, but basically a shepherd leads, he feeds, he heals, and he protects. That's basically what a shepherd does. And Jesus' heart was grabbed. He was moved towards them, even though he was weary and tired physically. He was moved and drawn to them with compassion because he realized these people don't know how to navigate life. They don't know how to be blessed by God. They don't understand the principles of the kingdom of God. And he was moved to spend time with them. And it goes on to say there in Mark chapter 6, verse 34, that Jesus sat them down and he taught them many things. He taught them many things. You know, one of the reasons why we need to be in God's house when we can, one of the reasons why we need to open up God's word is because there are many things about kingdom life that God wants to teach us. And see, Jesus taught them not one thing, not two things, three things. Some of us think, well, Christianity is one, two, three. There's a lot to the kingdom of God. And Jesus was planting seed in people's lives. When he taught about the kingdom of God, he was giving them the seed because God's word is seed. He was giving them seed to create a better life for them and in them. Now, let me make another connection here. In Philippians 3, Paul makes a statement, our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Now, how many, how many agree with that? Our citizenship is in heaven. Okay? Okay, if we're citizens of, of a different kingdom, don't you think it'd be a good idea for us to find out what the laws of that kingdom are? And that's what Jesus was doing. He was trying to teach them the laws and the principles about the kingdom of God. Now, we, we got into this last week, and I want to just refer to it real quickly. Isaiah 55 says that God's word is seed for our lives. Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit. They're not ink upon a page. The words I speak are spirit and they are life. They bring the spirit of God and life to you. Hebrews chapter 4 says the word of God is alive. It's powerful and it is revealing. It reveals to you what is truth and it reveals to you where you're hitting the target and where you're missing the target. 
As Pastor Zach often says, when you read the word of God, the word of God is reading you. Because it's alive and it's powerful. Now, having said all of this, this is just my introduction. How many are ready for the message today? All right. Those minutes don't count against me. This is just, that's just the introduction. We're going to look at Luke chapter 8. And I'm just kidding. I'm going to move quickly. Luke chapter 8. We're going to read five verses, each verse one at a time. Jesus gave a parable. He told a story called the parable of the sower. And what it said was this sower... This farmer went out to sow seed in his field. Now, let me draw a picture of this for you before I get into reading it so you understand what it's saying. In the days of the Bible, if you're going out to sow wheat, to plant wheat in your field, you'd prepare the soil the best you could. And then in the fields, they had pathways that they walked through and they walked around. Pathways that would give them access to the fields without stomping all over what was being planted. And they were waysides. They were pathways through which you would walk. So what the farmer would do, he'd go up with a bag of seed. And with one hand, he would hold the bag of seed. With the other hand, he would reach into the bag and he would just throw seed out into the fields. He'd walk the pathways, the waysides, and he'd throw his seed out so that that seed could plant and begin to grow. So Jesus said, the seed is the word of God. The word of God is seed. Look at verse number 11 of Luke 8. Now the parable of the sower is this. The seed is the word of God. So Jesus is telling this story. Do you know what Jesus did for three years of ministry? He healed and he threw out seed. He healed and he distributed seed seed into people's lives that could change their lives and the seed is the word of god and it has the power to produce fruit and the life of god everything needed to produce the nature the character the lifestyle and the blessings of god is in the seed of the word but here's what jesus said and there's four things quickly i'm going to cover in the next few minutes number one Jesus said, as the sower scatters seed, some of it falls on the wayside. Now, the target is really, for the farmer, the target is the good soil out there, the prepared soil. We do it differently today. Things are automated today. But in that day, in scattering the seed, seed would fall in all kinds of places. And one of the things that would happen is some of the seed would fall on the pathways that the farmers had walked day after day after day after day and it was hard ground it was beaten down and when he threw the seed and scattered it some of it would land on the pathway and it had no chance and here's what jesus said when the seed lands on those places the birds come and eat the seed have you ever planted a front yard have you ever planted grass in your front yard only to go out one morning and see birds all over your front yard eating all the seed i've had that happen i've had that happen that's why they encourage you to cover up the seed once you put it down. So what Jesus said was, the birds come and eat the seed before it can begin to grow. In other words, the seed never has a chance. Well, if you would, look at verse number 12, because I want you to see Jesus' explanation. Jesus said, those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Everybody say hear. They hear the message, they hear the word, but the devil comes takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. 
You see, what Jesus said was, there is seed that falls on people's hearts, but the hearts are not ready to receive it. They're not prepared to receive it. It's not been cultivated. It's not been watered. It's not been ready for the seed. And because it's not ready for the seed, it can't receive the seed. And here's what Jesus said. When that happens, the enemy, the devil, some of you didn't know there's a devil, except on Halloween, there's a devil 365 days a year. Jesus said the devil comes and steer, steals the seed away so it doesn't have a chance to produce anything in that person's life. And then he went on to say, because if the seed produces, they'll begin to believe God. You see, faith comes by hearing hearing the word of God. The enemy says, I don't want that seed left in your life because if that seed stays there, faith comes with the seed of God. Faith accompanies the seed. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So the enemy comes and steals it away. And before you have a chance to get the ground ready and plant the seed, you've forgotten all about what was said. That's the work of the enemy. And with this soil condition, the challenge seems to be getting the seed from my ears down into my heart. You see, it's one thing to open up the Bible and read it. It's another thing to get the word of God in your heart. It's one thing to sit through a sermon the next 25, 30 minutes and hear the word of God. It's another thing to embrace the word of God, receive it, and let it start working in your heart. So, if this wayside ground the soil wouldn't receive the word. And if our hearts can do the same, how do I receive God's seed? Two basic things. One, I need to prepare my heart to receive the word. Now, we may not have any farmers in the house or gardeners, but we may. If you're going to plant seed, what do you do with the soil? You break it up. You break it up. Or you dig some holes to drop the, so the seed into. You break up the ground and you plant it and you cover it up so that it's protected. You receive, you allow the soil to receive the seed. Well, what happens in our spiritual lives? If we're not growing and we're not getting the word, what do we need to do? We need to do something with our hearts to soften our hearts and change our hearts so that our hearts will receive the word of God. In the Old Testament, there's a story about the prophet Hosea. And he's preaching to God's people because they're on a bad pathway. They've rebelled against God. There's all kinds of messes going on. And one of the things he says is, you need to change your lives. And he said, you need to break up that hardened soil in your hearts so that the seed of God's word can begin to work. You know, I think sometimes as believers, starting on the platform to the back door, you know, all of us can be guilty of coming to church and being so focused on other things that we never open up our heart and say, God, speak to me. Because we look across the aisle and say, God, you really need to speak to her. She really needs to hear this today. You know, at first service, I told him, you say, well, you know, why, why are you sharing this kind of stuff? Because our pastoral team needs to hear this. Pastor Zach needs this because he has a daughter he can't control. He told us about it. <laughs> Well, Pastor Corey's not in here right now. Pastor Corey needs this because his wife has to live with him. And she's got her hands full. Pastor Nick, 
Well, Pastor Nick's pretty close to perfect, so we'll just leave Pastor Nick alone, and he doesn't like me to pick on him anyway. So, but, but the point is this. We all need to hear this. It is very possible to get in the habit of going to church to show up, to do our godly duty, and we never stop to open up our hearts and prepare our hearts to receive God's seed. Now, let me, let me give you something to think about. You know, spiritual growth can be a real challenge. It really can. Spiritual growth can be a challenge for any of us. But the problem with spiritual growth is not the seed. The problem with spiritual growth is the condition of my heart. That's where the problem lies. So first of all, if I want to grow in God and I want his seed to work, it begins with me making sure my heart is open to God's word. And then the second part of this, not only do I need to prepare the soil but I need to humbly ask God to plant his seed in my heart. Can I tell you this morning, humility goes a long way with God. Scripture says, Old Testament and New Testament, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, I don't make a big deal out of this, but I'm just going to tell you this just, just so you understand. There's not a Sunday that I come out here to preach that before I walk out, I don't stop and say, God, I need you today. I need you to show me how to communicate to your people. And I need you to grab people's hearts to prepare them to, to hear the word. Because, friend, it doesn't do me any good to teach God's word if people's hearts don't want to receive God's word. I'm wasting my time. And, and what, what James writes to us in James chapter 1, he says, we need to move the things out of our hearts that we know are causing conflict with God. And he said, we need to receive God's word with meekness and let him implant it into our hearts. You know, I think God loves it when we stop and say, God, I really need your help. I really need your help. Don't you love it when your kids or your grandkids come up and say, can you help me? I need your help. I can't do this. God loves it when humbly we come to him and say, God, I need your word and I want your word to work in my life so number one we need to prepare our hearts to receive god's word number two look at verse number 13 <clears throat> jesus says but the ones on the rock are those who when they hear receive the word with joy but they have no root who believe for a while and in time of temptation they fall away See, Jesus said, while this farmer goes out and is tossing his seed, some of the seed will fall on top of rocks that have not been removed from the soil. And he said, when a seed falls on top of a rock, it springs up quickly, that seed cracks open, the new life comes out, and it starts to grow really fast, but it can't get its roots into the soil, it can't get nourishment, and when the sun comes out, it scorches it and it kills it. If you've ever left seed on a hard patio or on a sidewalk area, the sun comes out, it kills that seed because it can't get nourishment and water out of the soil. It needs its roots down in the ground. And Jesus said, now, now get this, Jesus said there are people whose hearts have got hard spots and it's not been really cultivated. They've not removed things from their lives that need to be moved. 
And he said, when that seed falls there, they're excited about it. And it's like, yeah, I love this. I want it. And that seed begins to grow. But when temptation and challenge comes from the enemy, it's like a hot sun. And because they don't have their roots down and their faith established in Jesus, they fall away and they give up. Now, let me spend just a moment here. Life is full of challenges. I don't care who you are, what you are. There are going to be problems and challenges in life. But when you commit your life to Christ, your challenges change. Because all of a sudden you have an adversary who wants you to give up on your faith in God. And he's going to fight you until he finds out what you believe. And anytime you hear a message and there's seed, there's word. Anytime you open up the scripture and God begins to speak to you. If you don't get that word buried down deep in your heart, the enemy will begin to put temptation and trial on you to try to kill the power of that seed. That's what Jesus taught. Here's what Jesus said. He said, there are people that can't take the heat. They can't take the heat because they don't have their, their roots, their faith into the ground. So how do I nurture? How do I protect God's seed? Because basically what he's saying is if, if a seed's on a rock, a rock can't nurture it and protect it. That soil won't protect and nurture that seed. So how do I nurture and protect God's seed? Well, real quickly, first of all, I think... We need to learn God's word. We need to know God's word and we need to bury it in our hearts. I mentioned it earlier. If we're in God's kingdom, don't you think it'd be a good idea if we learn the principles of God's kingdom? Here's what the psalmist said. Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. God, I hide your word in my heart and I want it to shape my life because I don't want to walk a wrong pathway and offend you. I want to see your blessing in my life. So we need to learn God's word and bury it deep in our hearts. Let it become a motivating force for our lives. Second thing, we need to continually remind ourselves about the power of God's word. And let me, let me tell you how you do that. You meditate on the Word of God. Now, some would say, oh, my gosh, meditation. That's Eastern religion. Oh, no, that, that's Scripture. You can go back to the Old Testament and find that. God thought of that a long time before others thought of it. Because meditate literally in Scripture means to mutter, to talk over and over again about what God said. To meditate over and over. Here's what God said. Here's what God said. Here's what God said. I'm going to get it in my heart. I'm going to hang on to it. I'm going to believe it. You see, we get so busy with life thinking about all the other issues, we don't always take time to really meditate and bury God's word deep in our hearts. And when challenge comes, challenge outweighs God's word. Here's what the psalmist said. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. And he even went so far to say in Psalms 119, verse 99, he said, for your testimonies are my meditation. He said, all the things you've already done for me, I think about those things and it makes me realize you're going to continue to do good things in my life. So I meditate on the goodness and the greatness and what God says about himself. I meditate on those things. Psalms chapter 1 paints a picture of a godly person who's established in God like a tree planted by a river. And one of the things it says about this person is that he meditates and delights in the law day and night. God's word 
needs to be something that continually speaks to us. And we need to plant it in that place in our lives. And in times of pressure, I must learn to remember and trust God's word and not forget it. But if I don't know it, I can't remember it. If I'm not meditating on it, I'll begin to be moved by things that the adversary throws my way. And then a third thing I think we need to do to nurture that word, that seed, is we need to be wise and we need to act on it. We need to be wise, we need to act on it. And here's what I mean. The Sermon on the Mount in the New Testament, Matthew starts in Matthew 5, 5, 6, and 7. This long teaching Jesus does about the kingdom of God. At the end of his teaching, here's what he says. He says, now a wise man, a wise woman, a wise person. How many wise people do we have in the house today? Come on, get your hands up. You are wise. If you, if, if you were dummy, you'd stay at home today, okay? You're wise. You're here. I'm just kidding. Those watching online, don't, don't be offended. If, if you were dummies, you wouldn't be watching online today, okay? How many wise people do we have in the house today? Well, some of you still haven't got this. Get the bobblehead going. Get a hand up or something. How many wise people do we have in the house today? Okay, there we go. Thank you. Now, let me continue here. Jesus said, a wise man will build his house on a rock. So when the storms of life come, he's safe. But a foolish man builds on sand. And the storms come and they wipe that guy's house out. Jesus said, for the one who hears the word and does the word, who acts on it, that's a wise man and his house will be safe. But the one who hears the word and doesn't respond to it, doesn't act on it, that's foolish, and his house will be washed out. It's not the words of Pastor Gary. That's the words of Jesus. I kind of think Jesus knew what he was talking about. He said we need to act on the principles of God's word. We need to do what God's word says. James referred to the same principle in James chapter 1. And James said we need to be hearers of the word and we need to be doers of the word. Because if we're hearers only, he said, we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves. If the only reason I go to church is to make God happy on Sunday, but I listen and I can't wait till the guy's done so I can get out the back door, that's self-deception. That's not going to touch anybody's life. What changes lives is when I receive the word of God and I nurture it and it begins to change me from the inside out because it produces the blessing and the influence of God's kingdom in my family and in my world. Then go to verse 14 because there's a third place that Jesus mentioned where the seed falls. Verse 14, he said, some seed falls among thorns. The sower's out throwing out his seed and he's throwing out the seed. There are some seeds in there, some remainder from previous crops of some thorn bushes, some weeds, if you will, with thorns. And what happens is when that seed gets planted, even though it's good soil, over time when the crops begin to grow, they come to fruition, but they can't produce fruit because the thorns, the weeds, choke them off where they can't see God's word finish its work. So here's what Jesus said about it, verse 14. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they heard, they go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, 
and they bring no fruit to maturity. You see, Jesus said the soil of our hearts can be compromised. It can be conflicted. It can be distracted with other things. In other words, God's word isn't a priority in my life. Now, let me walk you through this real quickly. How do we prioritize God's seed in our lives? You know, we come to church, God, I want you to speak to me. Some of you are here every single week or three out of four, almost every Sunday I see you sitting out here. And you're here because you want God's word and you want to worship him. I commend you. But Jesus said we can have good intentions, but yet sometimes that word doesn't come to fruition because there are too many competing issues in our lives. So how do I prioritize God's seed? Can I tell you in one simple statement? Pull the weeds from your heart. Pull the weeds. Pastor Zach loves this part of the message. When we were a family and my boys are growing up, I would mow the yard most weekends. Sometimes I'd have the boys do it. Now They'll tell you they did it every week, but they just don't remember well. But then once a month or so, we had to pull weeds out of the flower beds. Zach hates to pull weeds. He hated it. I, I never heard him, but I would imagine Zach uttered some cuss words under his breath when he was a kid. He absolutely hated to pull weeds. But you know, if you're going to have healthy crops, healthy flower beds, you've got to pull weeds because they choke other things off. You know, I think sometimes we get so busy with life that we're believing God to do big things and great things and we don't even understand and realize we've got weeds growing in our hearts. Things that are distracting. Things that are interfering with God's work. You know, for example, when I hear a teaching from God's word that's not working in my life, do I ever ask myself, what keeps this from working? See, sometimes I think, I've done this. God, why aren't you working in my life? You said you do this. You said you do this, this, this. Why do I not see this? What's going on, God? What's wrong with you? Why isn't your word working? And you know what? The problem isn't God's word. It's one of two things. It's either my patience or it's the fact that I've got other things competing with my faith in God's word. And Jesus is trying to address this with people. And he's telling them, you can be good people and have good intentions. But if it's not coming to fruition, maybe you've got some weeds growing there. You see, the sower didn't go out and sow weeds. It's just over time, things begin to grow unexpectedly. And he didn't deal with them and it interfered with the health of his crop. But then Jesus goes a step further and he talks about weeds. He talks about thorns. Here's what he said. These weeds and thorns are the cares of life. We get so concerned with some things, we don't have time to nurture God's word. He said, riches can be deceitful. We get so busy chasing the dollar that it takes our energy that needs to be applied to God's word. He says, it can be the pleasures of life. These things can grow weeds that interfere with the working of God's word. Now let me... 
illustrate this to you. I'm too busy. God, I, I, I like what you said, but God, you know me. I, I'm just too busy. I, I don't have time for that. Really? You don't have time for prioritizing, prioritizing God's word? You don't have time to make what God says a priority in life? I'm, I'm too busy. That's a weed that needs to be pulled. Oh, I, 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 I can't afford that. I can't afford that. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I can't afford that. You can't afford making room for God? I can't afford that. Oh, you know what? I, 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 I tried that once and it didn't work for me. You don't try God's word. You commit to it and you nurture it and you let it grow. You don't just try it. These are excuses. The question is, what keeps me from doing the word of God? It's weeds. Weeds that need to be pulled out of my life. You see, that's why Hebrews tells us that God's word exposes what's going on in our hearts. It makes it clear. It divides between soul and spirit. Here's what's really happening and going on. And you know, the sad epithet that that attitude of, well, I don't have time and it won't work for me and I'm too busy and, and I can't afford it. The sad epithet is people come to a place in life where they just said, God doesn't work for me. It just doesn't work for me. And they give up on God. Let me say it again. When it comes to spiritual growth, we don't have a seed problem. I have a heart problem. And sometimes I need to take inventory of what's going on in my heart. Then the final picture, number four. Last thing I want to share with you. Verse number 15, Jesus said there was seed that fell on good soil and it produced a harvest, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold increase. Here's what verse 15 says. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart, a prepared heart, keep it, bury it, and over time they bear fruit with patience. You see, good soil receives the word, nurtures and protects it, prioritizes it, and then trusts God in some period of time with patience, it produces a harvest in their lives. What, what happens when I properly care for God's seed? What happens when I get my heart ready? What happens when I'm prepared for it? It grows. It produces God's fruit in my life. So some of us today would say, well, okay, so how do I produce a harvest? I'm coming down to the end of my message. How, how do I produce a harvest? How, how do I do this? How do I trust this seed? I get it buried, I wait, I believe, I'm trusting God. How do I make this happen? There's a story in John 15. Jesus gave us a parable about the parable of the vine. And here's what Jesus said. If you get attached to the vine, you get plugged into God, you trust God. When you're in that place and your heart is right and the seed is planted, he said what happens over time is the seed produces a harvest. You don't produce the harvest. 
Everything needed to produce the harvest is in the seed. You're just patient and you trust God and you believe God and you wait on God and God produces the harvest. See, you can't make the seed produce in your time, but you can nurture the seed and let God produce a harvest. And it went so far in John 15, two things that, that Jesus said. He said, number one, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you'll ask what you will, it'll be done to you. And the second thing he said was, if you stay there and trust God, you will bear much fruit. Much fruit. How do I produce a harvest? Just take care of the seed. Take care of the seed. Trust God patiently. Let him work. Don't give up. And finally today, a question. How do I know? How do I know if God's seed is working in my life? How do I know if God's working? Does my lifestyle look like what this says my lifestyle can look like? Is my life being shaped by this? Or am I trying to get God to shape his word to fit me? Second thing, am I seeing the blessing, the fruit that God promised if I walk with him? Man, God's made exceedingly great and precious promises to us. And if I'm not seeing some things happen, I need to examine the soil of my heart, check on how I'm taking care of the seed, and then make sure I'm patient with God because if I do what God's asked me to do, his seed will grow. He will produce a harvest in my life. You know, I mentioned this the first week of the series. God's begun a good work in you. Paul said if God's begun it, he's going to finish it. Just trust him. Wait him out. Wait and see what God will do. I want to pray for you today. I believe God's speaking to people. It may be a big thing. It may be a little thing. But I believe God's speaking to people in the room today. Just bow your heads for a moment. Father, we've heard your word. The seed has been scattered today. It's, it's been sown. It's landed into, on, on our ears. And now we want to get it into our hearts. God, I pray for every person in this room that they would be able to look at their lives today and see where they can make adjustments to receive and nurture and prioritize the Word of God. Father, you've spoken to people. I've just given them your Word. You've spoken to people. Now give us the faith. Give us the determination to follow through. Faith comes from hearing your word. People have heard the word today. Now let faith arise in their hearts that they will be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. God, I do believe you have better plans for us than we have for ourselves. So I pray today that you would personalize this message. Encourage every person. Don't let one person leave here discouraged. Don't let one person leave here saying, I'm a failure, I can't do this. But encourage them to know you're still there. You've still got seed. You'll pour more into their lives. You'll help them water those seeds. You'll bring it to fruition if we'll trust you and walk this out with you. God, encourage us now as only you can do in Jesus' name. While heads are still bowed for one more moment, maybe you're here today. Maybe you've never committed your heart to the Lord. Maybe you've listened to this and, and 
You said, man, this all sounds great, but I, you know, I, I never did this, and I don't know where to go from here. But maybe your heart's stirring and you're realizing, man, this is right, and I really need God's help in my life. And I tell you today, God wants to be involved in your life. That's why you sense him grabbing your heart and turning it over and over today. And you're realizing, this is God, this is right. Where do I start? You start with simple words. We call it prayer, but it's just talking to God, saying, God, I need you. And you open your heart and you make room for him to get involved in your life. It starts with recognizing that God loves you so much he put his own son on a cross to die for your sins, to move away the thing that stood between you and God so that he could get involved in your life. While you sit there this morning, or as you listen online, maybe you're realizing, I need God, I want God. I want to lead you in a prayer that will begin your relationship with God. I promise you, you pray this prayer from your heart, God will respond to you today. I'm going to ask everybody in the room, those watching online, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me from your heart. Let my words become your words. Wrap your faith around this. Say, God, I need you. I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. Teach me your ways. I want to learn about your kingdom. I want to see your blessing in every area of my life. So from this day forward, you'll be my father. I'll be your child. I will follow you. Thank you for receiving me. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe you've just been the prodigal on the run and you know it's time to come home it's the most important prayer you can ever pray but it's not the end of the journey it is just the beginning of the journey god wants to teach you he wants to nurture you he wants to bring you along as his child it's a process it lasts now throughout eternity but you've begun the process and we want to help you in your journey We've got a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. It's just a simple tool with a little bit of reading for the next seven days of your life that you can read these words. It'll help you understand how much God loves you and some of the great plans he has for you. We want to give you this booklet. So when service is over, there's two ways you can get it. There'll be prayer teams on each side of the building. Just walk up to one of these prayer teams and just say, hey, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there. No strings attached. If you've got questions, they can answer questions. If you want prayer for something else, they'll pray with you. But please, let us give this to you today. If you're in a really big rush, just before you leave the lobby of our church, there's a set of glass doors there right in the middle. There's a counter set up. You can stop by. You see it on the screen. The next seven days, we'll give you the same booklet there. Just ask for it. No strings attached. We want to help you get started walking with God. If you're watching online today or if you listen to the podcast you can find instructions on your screen as to how you can get this. We can get you an electronic file to help you get started walking with God. And I want to tell you today, if you've opened your heart to God and asked Jesus Christ into your life, you're just as much a child of God right now as you will ever be. You just need to begin to learn the principles of the kingdom of God. And I want to welcome you to God's family today. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers to God's family? God bless you. Let's give Pastor Gary a great hand for that word today. 
I also want to say a personal thank you to Pastor Gary because uh, he referenced that I was nearly perfect, and I've been trying to convince my wife of that for 15 years. Um, she's not buying it yet, but uh, we'll we'll keep up the fight there. Uh, hey, it's our time of, of in our service where we're going to give, and it's our act of worship. And on the screen, you'll see a few ways in how we can give. You can give electronically. Uh, we have some giving stations in the back of the room. We also have one out in the lobby area. But we would encourage you and, and just to say thank you. Thank you for your generosity. We serve a generous God, and he has given us so much. And just as he has given us a financial seed, we invest that financial seed and we put it back into the ground and he always provides back to us. It's that seed and harvest, seed and harvest. And so I want to encourage you. I want to thank you for your generosity. You are making an impact in our local community. You're making an impact in our nation and you're making an impact around the world uh, through our, our partners around the world. So, hey, we want to say we love you all. God bless you. Have an incredible day as you stand to your feet and you're exiting. I want you to encourage somebody. Give them a high five. Tell them you're glad to see them. We'll see you next time.